Welcome to this new episode of the European Hoops podcast. We cover the EuroLeague and the top FIBA events. I am André and this is our basketball expert, Joe Volent. Hi guys, hope everything's doing okay with y'all. We are here for another episode of European Hoops podcast. So André, let us know, man, what do we have for today? Today we bring you our round nine recap. We will go over all the nine games that took place on the round nine of the EuroLeague, the second half of the doubleheader. We will waste no more time. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Tito's EuroLeague and just help us to grow by sharing the, the podcast with other people that like the EuroLeague and the FIBA events. That's the way for the podcast to grow, for us to keep going and to keep delivering the this content for you guys for free. That's our goal and that's what we want to do. We appreciate some of you suggesting us to 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 provide some paid content and to, to add some paywalls. We don't want to do it. We want to keep it free. So just make sure to share. We will be able to continue to grow. We are very pleased with our growth so far and we will just deliver it for you guys for free and we can all continue to follow the early and the main FIB events that we truly enjoy to follow and to cover for every single one of you. Let's get into the games and let's start with the game between Maccabi and Fenerbahce. And this was an important bounce back win for Maccabi, 78-73, after losing in the first hand of this uh, doubleheader. And the MVP of the game was surprisingly James Webb III. And Maccabi really needs these players to, to step up and to, to be able to perform. Every time that they are able to, to get it, uh, a performance from, from one of the non-top players from this uh, Maccabi team, the game becomes easier for all of them. Fenerbahce came from a, a tough loss on the first hand of this doubleheader. They came with this game with um, seeking to to dominate and to be able to to get this win and to bounce back from that tough loss. At halftime, they were winning by eight points, but uh, Maccabi was able to to answer, and in the second half, they were dominant and they were able to lock this win. Duke, what were the main factors and the top? keys for Maccabi to be able to bounce back on the second half and to win this game well first of all having Wade Baldwin back is always important for them um, he did a great job helping Lorenzo with the playmaking duties he had five assists and Lorenzo was more of a scorer on this game so it's very cool to see how they can switch it up every every play here and there so I think the, they work perfectly as a duo and then obviously Ponzi Colson who was amazing, not only scoring the ball at a good level, but on the boards, he was a monster with seven offensive rebounds and 14 overall. Uh, I think he was very important too. And, and of course, I mean, they they needed this win to, to bounce back after losing to Olympiakos, and they took advantage of a Fenerbahce team that's dealing with injuries now. And uh, even though uh, Scotty Wilbekin and Nigel Hayes-Davis played very good games and also Tariq Biberovic uh, played a, a good game as well with 18 points, they, did, they didn't have enough outside of these guys to, to support them and, and to give them more contributions. Tyler Dorsey only had seven points and only played 14 minutes. And Jonathan Motley played 26 minutes, but was only able to get six points. And he had four turnovers. So it, it's it's a tough phase now for, for Fenerbahce. They, they've been losing some games. And obviously, to lose both games on a double, double week, it's very hard. But uh, obviously, I think if they do get healthy soon, I think they're going to get they're going to bounce back and start winning games again. But uh, it's looking like a tough phase now for Fenerbahce. Yeah, they are having a tough run uh, and uh, they need health and they need to have their players healthy to be able to to be as competitive as we expect from them. 
for Maccabi after this win and after this doubleheader week, they were able to climb to fourth place despite having one game less. That game is against Real Madrid, uh, and they will either end up tied with the with the six teams that they have below them that go from Paratinaikos, Monaco, Olympiacos, Fenerbahce, Valencia, and Basconia, all with five wins and four losses, or they will be able to tie with the team that is in third place so far, that is Virtus with six wins and three losses. It's Real Madrid, we know how hard and tough that matchup will be, but Maccabi is having, despite all the problems with the team, with the injuries, with health, and of course with uh, the, the situation in Israel that is forcing them to play home games away from their home, um, they are able to have a very good and consistent EuroLeague so far, and this fourth place is just a show of that. Fenerbahce fell down after these two losses, as expected, and they are now in eighth place, staying tied with those other six teams that are part of a group of teams from fifth to tenth place. They are still in the playing and playoff picture where we expect them to stay, but uh, this was a rough win for uh, for Fenerbahce in this uh, doubleheader week. Next game was the game between Olympiacos and uh, Red Star, and uh, Olympiacos and Red Star both came from very important wins on the, the first half of this doubleheader, but uh, Olympiacos was able to at home impose themselves and score 88 points. That uh, is one of the important factors, you know, that uh, this Olympiacos team, if they are able to to perform offensively, they will be able to be certainly competitive in the game. And uh, in this game, they were able to do it, scoring 88 points against Red Star. And uh, for Red Star, we saw the lack of consistency. After a very good defensive game, they weren't able to do the same on this game, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's tough. I mean, two very hard games, obviously. And they, they made that game against Fenerbahce be easy. But it was supposed to be two very hard matchups. And after what they did to Fenerbahce, it was going to be tough to go into Greece and to beat Olympiakos uh, on the road. And especially when you have Alec Peters playing at the level he is. I mean, 28 points. Like, uh, I've, I don't think I've ever seen this from him. He's playing at such a high level this season. And he's stepping up to that power forward spot that uh, Sasha Vezinkov left open. And he's clearly been their best player so far. Uh, Mustafa Fall was very important on the boards with 14 rebounds uh, Isaiah Cannon hitting shots and, and shooting amazingly from 3 like he's been doing all season uh, Thomas Walkup playmaking for everybody uh, and then Restar I mean they started the game pretty pretty strong they 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 won the first quarter then the first half was very close for, for both sides uh, but then it was that third quarter that killed them because Olympiakos was able to, ho- to hold them to 9 points Um Milos Teodosic started the game very good, scoring the ball, same as Nedovic. Uh, but then they kind of slowed down and, and got cold. Uh, Nedovic still had 26 points and hit five threes, but he didn't have much contributions outside of these two guys, and I think that was the biggest problem for them. They they lacked the consistency, like you said, throughout the 40 minutes to to have a chance to steal this game from Olympiakos. But it was going to be a very hard one to get, so... It's understandable. Uh, I think they were they did a good job being competitive and, and fighting until the end. But uh, I mean, it could have went both ways. These are two very good teams, but uh, Olympiacos with the home factor, uh, they were just stronger at the end. Absolutely, and this was an important win for Olympiacos that are now in seventh place, but tied with the other teams that are ahead of them. They solidified their position as a playoff team or a playoff contending team, and uh, that's what we expect from this roster. And with uh, reinforcements. Apparently, on the way, they will continue to try to build this roster and to just uh, give themselves even better chances 
uh, to to be as competitive as possible. And uh, they are looking to the market to bring in new players, but they also have McKinsey that should return to the team at some point. And all of that will help them to just um, become the top level team and the elite team that we know and expect from them. Mustafa Fall has been truly impressive. He is stepping up now that uh, that they needed him to, to play a heavier load of minutes. He's averaging 3.1 assists per game for the season. And in this game, he had three assists and had a double-double of 14 points and 14 rebounds. Like I said, Alec Peters has been truly impressive and he's taking over for the MVP and playing at almost an MVP level. And this is a very, very good team, well-coached that uh, will perform and uh, that's why they are a certainty to be on the, the playoff fight. Red Star, after this game and after this loss, they are now in 14th place. They fell on the standings and they are on, on the 14th place on the standings. They have three wins and uh, and six losses and uh, they are two games below the, the play-in. We know how hard it is to trail back in the EuroLeague and then uh, recover later in the season. So they will just need to find that consistency and to, to find ways to, to be able to be consistent game after game. We have seen how good they can be. We have seen them performing at a very high level as a team that can beat almost anyone. But we also have seen them lacking the, the consistency and the home and away splits have been kind of important for them. They are 3-1 and one at home and 0-5 oh and in the, on the road. And that certainly has played them um, major fa- has been a major factor for this Red Star team they just need to find some of that consistency to, to be able to change that and to, to play well uh, game after game without uh, so many ups and, and uh, downs another team that uh, also needs to find consistency is the team that played on the next game it's Milano that after losing the Italian Derby was able to, to beat and beat in a, a, a strong fashion the FS team that uh, on the, the first hand of this doubleheader was able to have an impressive victory against uh, Monaco. It's really hard to predict what these two teams will do, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> and when you said another team that's been going through a lot of ups and downs and needs to find consistency in Milano, <laughs> I, I thought you were going to say that's both teams because FS <laughs> is another example of that. Uh, but on this game, Milan was just better overall. Uh, they were better on the boards. Uh, they had more guys contribute, contributing as far as scoring. Uh, I think Devon Hall did a great job stepping up on this game. He, he even played some point guard and was very good for them. He had a, a great plus minus. He, he had some assists. He scored. He was efficient. And, of course, Siobhan Shields and Mirotic, they always do their job, even though this is kind of an off game for Mirotic, but he was still very good. Uh, Maudolo has been has been helpful as far as being a guard who can score and who can shoot. He's been very important on that aspect. And Milano, I mean, they just have, I thought the front court was going to give FS a lot of problems and they didn't really do that as far as scoring, but just overall, I mean, Melly getting 10 rebounds and uh, Voigtman getting six assists. They just have so many different guys who can contribute. So uh, I thought that's where they had an advantage on this matchup. And then for FS, you had... Will Blyburn, Darius Thompson, and Shane Larkin playing at a decent level, but nobody else stepped up to have a, a good game. And, and that was the biggest difference from their, their game against Monaco to now this game against Milano. Um, and again, consistency. That's the key word, not only for these guys, but for a lot of EuroLeague teams. Because 
we see a lot of like consistency from from these in this competition, which is normal because uh, the opponents are always different. They're always so good. Uh, the the games on the road are always tough because the crowds are super energetic. So it's always going to be hard to find consistency unless your team is named Real Madrid. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Will Clapton and Darius Thompson were very efficient and they did their job. I mean, I don't think you could have asked much more from them. But uh, you need other guys to step up. Uh, they still don't have Elijah Bryant playing, and I think he's a big part of what this team can do. So it's gonna have it's gonna be a lot of ups and downs for Efish for sure. Uh, until they find that co- cohesiveness and until they have everybody healthy. So, but a great win for Milano regardless. And with Mirotic, it was indeed uh, not his best performance in the oldest parts of the game, but he has a gra- gravity towards him that's always yeah. helped his team and opens up things for the, the other players on the team. And mostly this was a team win for Milano, and I, I believe Coach Messini should be very pleased with this uh, team win. Tunut had 10 points, Miley had 24 points, Hall, as you mentioned, had 22 points. And if this team is able to just make all of these other pieces pieces to contribute more and to be able to give them more, the game becomes way easier for them because they are talented. They just haven't been, been able to, to play as a group and as a team. And in this game, they were able to do it. And every time that they are able to do it, they will be a, a hard team to beat. And Efes uh, just didn't have the consistency as you mentioned as we have mentioned before they showed they gave us good indications of the first game of this um, double header of playing the way that we expect to give them better results on this game they just weren't able to do it at the same level if they continue to take the the steps in the right direction and continue to play on um, in the this way they will probably be able to have better results and be more consistent but both of these two teams need to keep playing better and playing to the level of their talent. Efes is now 13, Milano is now 15, and what we said for the Red Star that is in 14th place also applies to these two teams. If you trail too far behind in the early, it's very, very hard for you to be able to recover, and these two teams have that experience from last season. Efes trailed too far behind, wasn't able to, to be there and to be in the playoffs. Milano had a crazy, impressive run late in the season when Napier joined the team last season and it wasn't nearly enough for them to get into the playoffs. They certainly don't want to be in the same situation this year. We both believe that they have the talent within their rosters to be way above their current standings. So they just need to start performing as such and to perform at a a better level. We have spoken about power rankings. We have spoken about best team in the EuroLeague. We both agree that Real Madrid is that number one team we have been very hopeful that Monaco can take the steps to make the gap smaller and to get closer to Real Madrid. But, Duke, is this Real Madrid scary or what? <laughs> they are scary. I mean, we've been saying it from the start. Uh, I mean, and I think this game was about sending a message because they they know Monaco is a very good team. Obviously, they know Mike James is probably the best player in the competition this this year. So they wanted to prove that, no, nah, no, nah, ain't nobody messing with us. Like, we are better than everybody else, and, and we're going to prove that. And they did that. I mean, from start to, to I'm not going to say to finish, because the fourth quarter was kind of like the game was over already. Um, from the start of the first quarter until the end of the third, like it was just pure dominance. Like it was a 30 point game at the end of the third. Monaco didn't stand a chance. Like Mike James, he, I mean, his numbers 13, 5, and 4 is good, I guess, but he was very inefficient. 
he, he wasn't able to have that type of impact on the game like he usually does. Uh, Monty Owens was good scoring the ball, but he didn't have a good game rebounding or doing anything else. And then nobody else was really able to to do much. Uh, I mean, John Brown, you can always call on his effort and his defense, but it's just tough matchups because Real Madrid, their size and their length is is very hard. They had five players scoring scoring in double digits. Uh, Musa scoring twenty one. But I mean, they just have so many different weapons, man. It's so tough to beat them. But obviously, I don't think the difference between these two teams is thirty points, like it was at the end of the third. But Real Madrid is clearly the the better team, and I think they, if you look at it, they've struggled. Like, for example, Valencia and Basconia. I don't think they are teams who are even close to Real Madrid's level, and they struggle with those teams. Like, because sometimes we know this, they they play down to their competition. But when it's those games against the best teams where they really have to prove they're the best, they show up. And I think the difference this year is obviously having a guy like Campazzo. They, they, he doesn't let the team play slow and and play relaxed on those types of matchups. So I think Real Madrid, they are the better team, man, and they're gonna keep being the better team until the end of the season. They should be the favorites to win it all, and they've been proving it. So we can't we can't doubt them. They they are legit. Yeah, it, like we said it, and uh, when they added to the champions, added Campazzo, that was the perfect player for the team. It just uh, it fitted all of their needs. It satisfied any questions that anybody could have regarding this horse and, re- and regarding Real Madrid. It's an incredible team. And I do agree with you. The difference between these two teams is not 30 points. But this was an 18-point win that uh, was in reality a 30-point blowout. They were beating them by 30. And if they had continued to, to go and to push, I believe that the Real Madrid ha- would be able to make it uh, to win this game beating Monaco by 30 or even more. Just there wasn't any need for that. And uh, they really proved their point that they are the superior team and they have been a scary team indeed going all the way back and circling all the way back to the question that I made you. Real Madrid leads the standings undefeated already with uh, two wins, uh, two losses ahead of the second place that is Barcelona. Three losses ahead of uh, Virtus and Maccabi. They have one game less uh, that will be played against Maccabi. A game that certainly they will be seen as favorites. And uh, this is just a, a machine of playing basketball. It's an impressive roster, an impressive team. They are performing as such. And uh, they should be seen as favorites. But this is Euroleague and uh, things are never that easy. And they are never that simple. But uh, in terms of uh, picking a favorite... Picking a leader for a poor rankings, I don't think there is a big debate regarding uh, who is it, and that's Real Madrid. Monaco, after these two losses on this doubleheader, this uh, was a negative week for them. They fell into sixth place in the standings right now, where they are tied with other teams, as we mentioned before, with five wins and four losses. Let's uh, head into the next game, the game between Jalgiris and Bayern Munich. And a very important bounce back win for uh, Jalgiris after a tough loss on the first hand of this doubleheader week. They won 74-73 and it was a, a big performance by Birutis that ended up as the MVP, the statistical MVP of this game. And Roland Schmitz again had a very big game and was the 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 best scorer for uh, Jalgiris and the, the top scorer for, for Jalgiris. We had mentioned how important his matchup with Sergi Baca would be 
Ibaka was the best player for Bayern, had a very good game. He ended the game with 20 points. But in the end, the home team and uh, in front of their home car- crowd, Jalgiris was able to secure this extremely important win. And this is more what we could expect from Jalgiris playing at home. They are now 2-2, two and two, and this is what we are used to from them, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, first of all, uh, I thought Bayern Munich uh, had a, a great chance to win this game. And uh, I think in the second quarter, they, they had a, a huge run. And, and I think they were led by Nick Valerbeb, which when we were talking about our matchups for this game, uh, I spoke about how important Nick Valerbeb would have been uh, on this matchup against Keenan Evans. And I think he did a, a fantastic job. I mean, Sergio Baca was the MVP, but Nick Valerbeb was right there behind him. And uh, I think Coach Lazo uh, went away from some of the players that gave them the lead and Nick Valerbeb was one of them. I thought he should have played way more. Um, I think him and Bolmaro should have probably been the, the two guys uh, closing the game on that uh, backcourt. But, uh, I mean, he went with Carson Edwards for more time and he wasn't very good on, on this one. Um, like I said, Ibaka was great. Uh, Valerbeb was great. But then for Zalgiris, you just had more guys uh, stepping up and doing a good job. Obviously, like you said, Birutis and Roland Smith played very good, but Thomas Dimsa as well and Keenan Evans, even though he struggled something uh, sometimes with Nick Valerbeb guarding him, but he was still able to, to score 11 points and to lead his team. Uh, like Avicius did a very good job off the bench too, bringing the energy like he always does. Uh, this was a very important win. I mean, in the clutch, they they had a Keenan Evans had a very good shot, uh, a bank shot. And I think this was a very important win for Zagiris because these are two teams who are kind of in the same um, in the same tier, I would say. So it was very important for for any of these teams to get this win because it gives them a huge advantage then in the standings in case of a tie or something like that. So very important win for Zagiris, but I, I do think Bayern blew it because they they had a chance. Bayern blew it. Jalgiris was able to hold to it and uh, to get this very important win that places them in 12th place, uh, tied with Partizan and FS for 11th. Bayern is now 16 and is trailing behind in the, the hunt for the, the playing spots. Well, Jalgiris is just there, but there is only one win difference between these two teams. And what a week by the Latvian Roland Schmitz attended with 8 from 11 from uh, behind the arc. He is able to do it. He is a very efficient player and uh, he was a very important player, not only for the team to, to be able to be competitive on the first hand of this double hander, but uh, for them to be able to secure this extremely important win for Jalgiris that uh, comes out of this double hander one and one, but uh, more importantly, lock this win against uh, Bayern. Next, we have the game between Asvel and Basconia, and this was a quite successful week for Basconia that conquered another win. And this time around against Aswell, 81-88 on the roads. What do you have to say about another great performance by Chima Moneke and Marcos Howard that uh, ended this game with 35 points? Uh, I thought this was such an impressive win for Basconia. I mean, missing Seder Kirk, is, uh, who I think is probably their most important player. Uh, Marcos Howard obviously stepped up, scoring the ball, hitting eight threes. And then Chima Moneke, just an overall great game. Not only scoring, not only bringing the energy and getting rebounds, but he also had six assists, and Matthew Costello uh, was very good as well. They they just had different guys contributing, and I think with such a limited roster as far as options, because they only had nine guys suit up, uh, I think they did a great job on the road getting that win. Uh, I think Mike Scott had a great game because 
Sarah Kershke didn't play. I, I thought that would have been a, a, a very good matchup. Uh, Paris Lee had a, a decent game as well. Jeffrey Laverne too. But I thought Lou, TLC uh, should have been better as far as scoring the ball. He did have eight assists, but I thought in a matchup like this, um, Asvel would need him to be more of a scorer and, and let the facilitating be for Paris Lee. Um, it was a very good game. I mean, both teams are very capable of scoring the ball, like the, the final score shows. Both teams over 80 points. Um, Asvel had the lead in the first half, and they looked like they were going, they were headed to another win. But uh, Basconia had an amazing third quarter, scoring 31 points, and obviously led by Marcus Howard, scoring 35. He, he had an amazing week uh, with both games, uh, scoring at an elite level. So this was a very important win for Basconia. They were able to play very good defense in the second half, and I've got to give credit to Coach Ivanovic on this one because it looked like he has changed the culture there as far as playing good defense and being stable in clutch situations. So I think this is an amazing win for Basconia and a great week for them. After allowing 30 points in the first quarter, they allowed 32 in the whole second half. That exactly. certainly shows how how well they, they did and they performed in the second half. And it's like you mentioned, like uh, the defensive identity for this Pascani team will always be crucial. And in a game where they were lacking players and in a roster that doesn't have the depth of talent of others, some other rosters in this Euro league, this was a game that they should still be able to compete and they did what it takes for them to, to be able to compete. Marcus Howard went 8 of 13 from the three-point line. We know that he's a, a player that gets hot and cold and he had a very hot week. And that certainly helped this Pasconi to come out of this week with two wins. And with that, they climbed in the standings and they are now in 10th place and they are in the playing picture after a somewhat uh, rough start and uh, we don't having them quite at that level. It will be hard for them to be able to keep up and to maintain that level, but uh, they are showing to be a team that can give problems to, to almost anyone in the EuroLeague. And this was proof of that. And then we just... Uh, had also proved that Coach Pose was right and Mike Scott is probably the best shooter he ever saw. <laughs> 80% from behind the arc. Now, this was a, an extremely good game from Mike Scott. And like I said, the fact that Tadas Sadakerskis didn't play, it probably influences, but uh, Mike Scott is, is able to, to have this type of, of performances. And uh, this was a show of his ability to contribute offensively for, for the game. And uh, then Lovern with nine rebounds, uh, TLC with eight rebounds. It's it's just about like each of these talented players to be able to night after night to contribute. And I think Asphalt took that step forward, and they are able to to be a better team than they were before. They were playing below their talent level, and I think that now they are playing at the same level as the the talent of the the players that they have on the roster. Another team that also seems to have found themselves and behind the. Mitoglu that uh, maybe sooner rather than later we will need to talk about him as an MVP contender maybe too early but we might get there he had a very important matchup against the Toko MVP Changelia and both of them stepped up and performed at a very high level but more than anything else it was Panathinaikos having an impressive win against uh, this Virtus team that has been one of the best in the early has Panathinaikos found themselves? I believe so uh, I think they are on the right path now um, obviously, Mitoglu coming back was very important for them because the way he's playing is just unbelievable. Uh, in a matchup like this against Toko Shingelio, to have 24 points and 10 rebounds and to be the MVP, I mean, it's it's hard because Toko is a, not only a great offensive player like he's been doing all season, being a playmaker and everything, he's also a very good defender and a tough guy. So 
for Mitogu to to have a performance like this, uh, I think is huge and, and speaks volumes to to who he is as a player. And, and this was a, a obviously a great win for Panathinaikos. They they were down one going into the fourth, and, and then they just dominated the fourth quarter. Uh, I think uh, Kendrick Nunn starting to find um, the way he needs to play in Europe. Obviously, it's different from the NBA, uh, and I think it's going to be very important for them scoring the ball and creating. Uh, Slukas also had a very good game. Uh, Matias Lasort was very important on the boards, uh, helping Mitoglu there. So uh, I think they are on the right path now. Uh, I think uh, once they get Papa Petru and Juancho back, this team is going to have a lot of options on every position. Uh, I, they are stacked, obviously, and they are starting to play much better basketball. And I think they are clearly on the right path to, to start getting a good streak of wins and to climb up the standings. For Virtus, I mean, it's not the end of the world. I mean, it's a it's a game against a very hard team in Panathinaikos. So a loss was uh, an option here, uh, and I think Panathinaikos was the favorite. So it's okay. I mean, Shangela had another great performance. They they just didn't shoot the ball well, and I think that's very important for this Virtus team. Um, Bellinelli went five for ten from three, but the rest of the team struggled a lot. So they went they went three for nineteen. So. They'll, they'll be fine. I mean, they're going to keep playing their style, which is very effective, obviously. But there's going to be off nights, and I think this was one of those. So they're going to be fine, man. I'm not worried about that. Yeah, absolutely. Mitoglu ended this game with uh, 24 points and 10 rebounds. And on the other side, Shingeli ended the game with 17, 11, and 3. And both of them played at a very high level for me. Virtus shooting under 30%. They went 8 out of 29 from the three-point from behind the arc. And despite the great performance that Bellinelli had, and you just mentioned, they need as a team to shoot at a higher level for them to be able to make the most of the, the style of play that they use offensively, the ball sharing, finding open shots, and they need to make them. When they do it, they are able to beat almost anyone. In this game, they weren't able to do it. It's also merit of Paratinaikos, but Paratinaikos seems to be finding themselves, the, the top players of the team seems to be settling in into their roles. Whenever Juancho is able to come back and when improving from him can elevate this team even more, but they just seem to be really fi- finding their guys and uh, what they can give them and contribute and none also settling in. He is being starting to show that the, he will be able to be a difference maker and this Paracinacos team can be seen as one of the the top teams of the EuroLeague are a team that has a chance to, to be contending to be in the Final Four. They currently stand in fifth place while Virtus are third with uh, one more win than uh, than Parachinaikos. And uh, these two teams have sh- been showing early on that they will be contending at the very least to be in the playoffs. And I believe that Parachinaikos has the talent to be contending to be on the, the final four of the year league. Next game was a game between Barcelona and Valencia. Barcelona was able to bounce back from the loss in the in the first hand of this doubleheader, but uh, this was a rough win for uh, a rough week for Valencia. That despite making two the their two games very competitive ones, they weren't able to look to get any of the wins. It's unfair, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, when you have a, a doubleheader and you play Barcelona and Real Madrid, <laughs> I think it would be hard for any team, honestly. So absolutely, I, I mean, they did a very good job being competitive on both these games and they had a chance to win on both these games so shout out Valencia because it's not easy to do that I mean to to have to play back-to-back games against probably the two best teams in the competition uh, I mean I don't know if Barcelona is number two but they're up there they're in the fight for that second spot so 
the fact that they were so competitive and, and they lost these games on such a close manner, it, it's very impressive. And it shows how good of a team they really are. Um, Barcelona, I mean, obviously, they are a very good shooting team and they struggled a lot uh, on this game, shooting 5 for 30. But they got to the free throw line. They, they were very strong on the boards. And that's how they won this game. Uh, they had Vesely scoring the ball. They have Abrini scoring the ball. And in the in a low-scoring game like this one, Valencia just didn't have enough guys scoring. And they only shot 16 threes. So this is not the Valencia team from last season. It was just run and gun. And now it's the complete opposite. Like They play elite defense, but they scoring-wise, they, they really need that defense to be the, the top option. And they, they need to hold teams to under 70, 75 points for them to have a chance to win because they're not going to score the 80s, the 90s. And it's unfair, man, because when you hold Real Madrid to 76 and you hold Barcelona to 74 and lose both games, I mean, it's tough because it's hard to hold those teams to such low scoring, but uh, it's also hard to score against those teams, and that's what, what they felt this week. So, But nonetheless, I think they did a very good job being competitive, and there are a team to, to take into consideration for sure. I would love if this Valencia team is able to add a high-level shooter, a two-point shooter to to their roster. And you have I, a name in mind? And I actually the the first name that came to mind is funny because he was on their roster last season and he left, and I don't think it was very friendly. It was Clement Preperlich that uh, it was yeah. the type of player that could could kind of help them, but I don't think that's on the cards for Valencia. But there are many shooters around. And yeah, I just think that if they are able to find a player like that that can go on, the, can have important shooting streaks for, for this, this team, it will just unlock another level of their offense. And um, if they are able to continue to play defense at this level, and they already showed that they are against the best teams in the EuroLeague, so that will be what probably takes them to, to another level offensively and will give them a better chance to compete on the matchups as they had this week. But despite the two losses and the two tough losses, they are still in ninth place. They are totally in the playing picture. They stand in ninth place tied with uh, all of those other six teams. And uh, they have a record of five wins and four losses. For Barcelona, after this win, they are second. They are two losses behind Real Madrid. It has one game less than Barcelona. And they have seven wins and two losses. Let's head into the last game of this round nine. And this was a must-win game for Partizan, playing at home against Alba, and especially after having lost the, the first game of this doubleheader. And uh, they did just that, 89-74. to 74, They were able to, to secure this win. Avramovic stepped up once again, scored 20 points, and he was one of the, the key contributors for this uh, win from Partizan. Caboclo seems to have taken no time to, to adapt to, to Partizan team and giving... And he is giving this team what they needed from him. I think he will be able to continue to grow and him and Kaminsky make a, a very interesting front court options for Zlaiko Obradovic and for this partisan team. They are still needing that point guard that we have spoken about so many times. But uh, yeah. this was a, a good and dominant win, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously they needed to win this game at home against Alba, who is probably... I don't like to say the worst team because I, I do like the way they play and I like uh, what they've been trying to do this season. But as far as results and standings, they are probably the worst team in EuroLeague. So this was clearly a must-win game for Partizan. Um, like you said, Alex Avramovic was very good, uh, scoring 20 points and just 
getting that energy on the floor for them. Um, Zach Luday, obviously, he does a bit of everything and he was able to be effective as well. Danilo Andrukic has been very good this season, uh, coming off the bench and just hitting shots for them, which is very important. And then when you have Kaminsky and Kaboklo in there, um, making a presence inside, I think that's very important for this team. Uh, I do agree that they still need a point guard, but the they seem like they've been growing week by week. Um, and I think if they can add that point guard, uh, I don't know if they will, but if they can, I think this team is a, a contender to be in the Final Four. So I would really like to see them do that because I think they have all the talent in the world in the other positions. So I just think they need to complete the, that roster. The, despite the rough start that Partizan had, they they are now in 11th place in the standings with four wins and five losses. They are just one win behind the, the fourth place. So they certainly are still on that mix to be a Final Four team. We, I believe that they have that uh, type of talent, that type of roster. They are led by the right man to, to, lead, to take them to that uh, stage of the competition. That's certainly what they are aiming at. And uh, I, I do think that uh, they will be able to find the, the right players to take over of, as their point guard and to just give them that last piece they are missing. But even internally, we keep saying this and they have the players that will be able to to give them more. Kevin Panther, that uh, is applying the two injury, will be able to be a very important player for, for this team. Avramovic, we know he will be able to do it at times and he will always bring that energy. Natalie is having a very good season. Kaminsky seems to, to be adapting quite well and slowly gives them more and more. But we have players like uh, Mateusz Ponitka that uh, is not having a great season and it's a player that is a talented player that can give them more. Daniel Wanjukic lately has been giving them good performances. It's a very talented roster. It's a roster that will be very competitive against almost any team. And they are probably just one player way to, to be able to, to reach the one of the top positions of the this EuroLeague and the, the EuroLeague standings to be in competition for that. This takes us to the end of this episode. Subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter at Itas EuroLeague. On a Tuesday evening, Wednesday, we will be bringing you guys our preview of round 10, the, the, the first part of our preview of round 10. Then the second part will come out on Wednesday evening to Thursday ahead of the start of all the games. So you guys can be up to date with everything what to expect from the round end of the EuroLeague and from the competition moving forward. As always, I'll be talking with you guys soon. Bye guys. See you on next episode.